Hey, 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 party people. How's it going? Happy Wednesday, May 16. It's around 11.30 a.m. in Southern California. It is gorgeous out here this morning. And because it was such a nice day, I decided, since my chickens were running low on feed, that I would head out to San Dimas, California, which is about 10 miles away from where I live, go to my favorite feed store, and pick some stuff up. And I record got my very favorite podcast i was listening to that on my way out there not mine by the way because even my podcast right now is my not is not my favorite podcast it will be one day and i hope it will be yours one day too but until i get there i have to acquiesce and say that there are other shows that i enjoy listening to more um i'm one of those cats that i like how my voice sounds live whenever i hear recorded not so much, and I got to get past that, and I'm slowly getting there, but until I do, I got to say that there's other voices that I enjoy listening to. For instance, today, Friends Like Us. If you haven't checked them out, you really should. It's a great show, Friends Like Us. I think I've talked about them before. Marina Franklin, she's top uh, banana. Please check her out. She's, she's fantastic. Check out her comedy. Anyways, so I'm on my way to San Dimas, minding my own business. I'm uh, you know, going the speed limit and whatnot, and all of a sudden, I look in the in, in the mirror, and there's a cruiser, police cruiser, and it's one of those crazy things. I, I don't know about you all, but I have trained or myself over time to always be on the lookout for things. And in uh, defensive driver, 100%, I am constantly on the lookout. It's one of the things my dad taught me. He used to say that in Mexico. It was crazy to drive. It was like New York traffic, the way that he described it. And you had to be super aggressive to get through places. And that meant that you got to always be on the lookout and check your mirrors and be ready to press on the gas. Because if you're, you know, weak about uh, getting into a spot, you're not going to get one because people are not going to let you in. And it's kind of how I drive, right? I'm very uh, not aggressive. Chill out. I'm, you know, I'm not a road rager. But... At the same time, if I need to get somewhere, I can handle my vehicle very well and I can get to where I need to. Uh, and I do, it does piss me off when other people drive slowly. There, I've said it. You're a fucking grandma driving on the road and you can't, you're not going with traffic. Shame on you because some of us are trying to do the right thing and we are trying to drive uh, responsibly and proactively and you're holding us all back. But that's neither here nor there. Also, but because I have, I'm always looking in the mirrors, I'm always checking everywhere, um, I'm also very keen on finding police cars, whether they're going to be ahead of me, whether they're behind me, uh, if they're off to the side, I can spot them. And I don't know if that's a, something that some of you guys have, I don't know if it's just a guy thing, but when you're a driver in Southern California and you've had the history that I've had with run-ins with being pulled over you are constantly on the lookout for where things are and it's not like you know i'm any i'm a criminal or i'm doing anything wrong it's just that you just get developed this sixth sense because you don't want to get pulled over it'll ruin your fucking day a ticket will ruin your fucking day and if you can prevent it by being on the lookout and making sure that you understand where the potential uh cruisers are going to be then you're probably going to save yourself some uh, grief. So today, sure enough, I spot a cruiser right behind me. And, you know, I you always get that feeling like, all right, cat, you're behind me. That's fine. No worries. 
I always mind my P's and Q's and check and make sure that my that I'm driving uh, the speed limit. Uh, my phone is down because I don't want them to say that I had it in my hand. So I check and make sure the phone is down. Uh, and when, if I have to uh, go into a different lane, blinkers are on. Make sure that I have a car be in front of me is three seconds away because that's my understanding is that's the distance that you're supposed to have in front of you safely when the when there's no traffic on the freeway i'm doing all these things right and still and still you never know if you're going to get pulled over you never know if that guy has found something has seen something and they're going to need to pull over to pull you over and i'm saying that they are not supposed to let's say that you do have a tailgate light out or there's something wrong with your vehicle that they need to point out. I get that. And, and, and thank goodness for the officers that are out there looking out for you. But it's been my experience, nine times out of ten, and I've had enough experiences to be able to say nine times out of ten, that if you're getting pulled over for something, it ain't good. And again, they might be justified, but to the driver, or at least somebody who's not looking for trouble, if they're pulling you over, you're like, oh, shit, how are they going to ruin my day-to-day? Because I got places to go, and this is at least going to delay me. That's a fact. And so, sure enough, I'm doing everything right. And um, um, we go a mile, we go two miles, we go three miles. And when you start hitting into that fourth mile, you start thinking, well, what the hell? What's going on? Why is this not guy not moving over? And then you start thinking, well, maybe I'm driving too safe. Maybe that's making that guy feel like suspicious about you because why are you doing all the right things? But I don't want to go back and start doing the wrong things, so I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna start speeding. All of these things go through your mind. It's like, what the hell is is he following me for? Luckily enough for me today, uh, the officer reared off on the side of the road and, and and got on an on ramp, but. It's just one of those crazy things that you would think, well, you're being paranoid. Uh, if you're not doing anything wrong, why are you worried about that? But again, I've, I've been at driving for a long time, and I've had my share of interactions with, uh, with police officers on the road. And I have felt, like I'm sure a lot of people feel, that the tickets that I've gotten were j- just not justified. It was, hey, we got to give this ticket to somebody, and today we chose you, and you might have had a mild infraction. And we're going to call you on it. And yeah, I guess if you believe in rule utilitarianism, that you have to abide by the law, even if it's a small infraction. But I often feel that police officers should have some latitude. And because they're human, they choose to, uh, they choose to utilize that latitude to whoever they feel like they can give that to on any given day. And not saying that there's any shade of people that they prefer to do it with. I think it's a, a lot of the times it's how you uh, interact with that officer. But if they, if that person has a bad day, guess what? You're going to get a ticket. And what I've learned also over time, I guess because I've had enough interactions uh, with them, is that it's easier to just take the ticket right there and then and go fight it out in court than to get into a back and forth because nowadays you just don't know. Right, it it used to be where you might be able to interact with the officer and try to, you, you know, have platitudes and whatnot. And for the most part, some of the ones, some of the stops that I've been involved with, the officers have been very nice. So again, I'm trying to be fair. But if that person is hell bent on giving you the ticket, I have found that it's easier for just to take it. We'll fight it out in court. And what's funny is that 
the times that I have gone to court uh, to fight a ticket, maybe sixty percent they don't show up. They just it does it, they just don't bother to show up to contest it. Now it has taken me to take off day of work. Uh, you obviously there's the uh, worry that. Uh, you're going to have to have a back and forth with somebody that gave you the ticket. You do your research. You ha- you go online, and I've I've had to do this. You go online and you check and see when wh- when the daylight state. When officially did the daylight happen, or uh, when was sunset officially? What are the rules of the road? What are the cameras look like in that intersection? What are the rules for a stop? Uh, I've had to do all this research because I knew I was justified in what I was doing and that the ticket was frivolous, but I have to defend it. The officers sometimes, I think, can just say, well, this is what I saw, and they're going to give the benefit of the doubt. And I could be wrong about that, right? Maybe judges look at it a different way. I would have been lucky to a certain degree that I've gotten out of most tickets because, A, I've showed up, and second of you, my arguments have been good, but I'm somebody who's willing to do the research. How many people ain't? And also because I don't want my insurance rates to go up, I kind of have to argue it. Uh, it's a matter not so much about paying the ticket, which they can get expensive in California, but it's a matter of my insurance rates not going up because everything is affected by that. Now, it's interesting to me that I have developed this sixth sense for policing, right? Again, I don't know if it's a thing because I, uh, the interactions that I've had, and like I've said before in other times, I'm innocuous. I'm not one of those guys that you look at and you think there's trouble. But the fact that I've had to develop this sixth sense about where people are, that's a little sad. But at the same time, it's, uh, there are lessons that I am going to be passing on to my children because you should be aware. I always talk to my kids about being on the lookout and seeing what's around you. In the Godfather, and I've said this before, I apologize, but I'm going to keep on going back to it time after time. But uh, Vito is talking to, to Al Pacino's character, and he's telling him about how women and children can be careless, but men can't, or something along those lines. I paraphrase badly. And that don't work with me uh, in, when I'm teaching my children. They cannot afford to be careless. They live in a different world, right? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm trying to train uh, or uh, bring up paranoid children, but I do need for them to be aware of their surroundings, that when they're crossing the street, to understand that they need to be, uh, they need to be proactive for themselves, that they need to look out for themselves. And it's a lesson that we keep on going over and over again. And I guess it's part of the reasons why it's a returning theme to this podcast is that you do have to look out after yourself. It's, impor- it's important for you to be looking out for yourself because other people are. Which I want to segue now into something that happened in the news, something that I, something that I posted on, on the Twitter earlier this morning. And this whole concept of that the immigrant community in the United States, the, le- the legal immigrant community, I'm just going to talk about that, that you, we can parse, we can have a different conversation about all forms of uh, immigration, but I just want to talk about the legal immigrants in this, in this country. That we have a responsibility to discuss and talk and share our stories about the experiences that we've had in the U.S. as new immigrants and the fact that, yes, we came 
here because our countries perhaps were not the best or our parents made choices based on their perceptions of what was going on in their culture, their country, their econ econ economy. And they made decisions for us and we happened to land here with sometimes very little. I can tell you that when we came to the U.S., we were poor. Not dirt poor, but we were poor. We also didn't have the language. We didn't have the education. Everything was a culture shock. And we moxied our way through it all. We fought our way to make things happen for ourselves. Nobody handed me anything. Nobody handed my mother anything. Nobody handed my father everything. They hustled the shit out of, um, out of life to be able to have a simple life. It wasn't like they became extravagant. They, they had an extravagant life. It's not like I lived high on the hog. Quite to the contrary. We had to fight for everything. We, my mom was one of those people that if she bought a chicken, she used every fucking part of the chicken. If my dad was hustling two jobs at a time, and it's sad that he and I didn't have a relationship, but he had to do that just so that he could put food on the table. Uh, when it came to me, like I, I ate it out of trash cans when I was in college because there wasn't enough money for uh, my parents to give me an allowance for me to have food. So yeah, I would sometimes be in the back of of campus where some of the food was being thrown out. Perfectly good food that somebody maybe took three or four bites out of it. And guess what? I cleaned it up and I ate some of that. And I and I have no shame about doing that. I got through college and I was just fine. And I am very glad that my children to this day have never had to see anything like that, that they have never gone hungry. And, and like I talked in my last show, the fact that we, to a certain degree, have the opposite problems. They have too much, and I need to train them and teach them how to savor and, and appreciate what it is that they have. And we're only talking, they're second generation. So the, I was talking about earlier about looking out after yourself, immigrants, the ones that are successful, in, there's a whole bunch of us, the ones that have made our life for ourselves here that have become uh, stories to be proud of, we need to share them. We have a responsibility to share them because I think that there is a conversation out there perpetrated or passed down with a megaphone by news networks, media, uh, people with agenda that the immigrant community is a one that deplete, that takes resources away from everyday folk here in, in the U.S. and B, doesn't contribute to the community at large. And that just ain't true. Now, come at me with your statistics and we can, we can discuss it, we can parse it. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I can only tell you that I, uh, being raised in East L.A., knowing uh, immigrants, immigrant families, living in a community that has a, a large portion of immigrants from not only the U.S., but from China, from Korea, from all sorts of different places, that the immigrant experience is one of hardship. It takes a ton, for the most part, to get to the U.S. It is not an easy journey for, any, for, for most people. The exceptions prove the rule. For most people that come from countries that that are that are in dire straits and, and decide I'm going to come to America to make a better life that decision to leave what you know to leave what's familiar to travel th sometimes thousands of miles 
to go to a place where you are not guaranteed anything by anybody, to try to uh, assimilate to a society that's got it in for you, and sometimes by your own people, by the way, sometimes by those who came before you, uh, who want to shut the the door uh, on those that want to come in trying to build a better life. For immigrants who make that choice and decide, well, I got to do this because I want a better quality of life for America, I think that the U.S. citizens should take that two ways. A, as an indication that you do, in fact, live in a great nation that people want to flock to. And B, that these people, though sometimes with very little education and very few skills, I'll grant that. My mother's an example of that. An extremely intelligent woman, but just didn't have the formal education and didn't have the skill set, a college skill set, let's say. But the fact that you have these people that have the moxie, the grit to fight every step of the way, get to the U.S., deal with being called names, deal with the political pressure that's on top of them, being denied services, and raise a family and get them to get that their kids educated and you always pay your taxes because you never want to get in trouble with the law you're you're mindful you watch your p's and q's you're 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 deferential to the systems i kid you not my mom and myself we're very deferential to systems we care about the law we do care about policing and we do want safe neighborhoods. We want good values to be passed on. Maybe slightly different values than yours, but they're not really all that different. What? That we want our children to do better than we did? That we want uh, sharing is caring? Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you? Eye for an eye sometimes? I mean, we're passing on very traditional values. We might have a twist here and there, and interestingly enough, some of the twists that come is from the fact that we live in a melting pot, and we see and we borrow from what we see from other cultures that work well from them, and we integrate into ourselves. Hey, we assimilate. And so you have these people that go through all of that and make a life for yourself. Wouldn't, couldn't you argue that that is the kind of grit and moxie that you do want in this country? That you... that. That is the kind of personality and character that has made America great. Because I'll tell you what, it has. And I don't know why this is a revelation. I don't, I don't think that it is. I think people choose to ignore it. But the fact is that America is a nation of immigrants. Look at the Statute of Liberty and look at what it has to say about the kind of people that it welcomes. And you will see that it's not talking about bring me your skilled and bring me your geniuses and bring me the creme de la creme. It doesn't say that. It says bring your huddled masses, bring the poor. Read it. Don't take my word for it. Read it. And you will see that this is a nation that, was, that is built upon hard-working, gritty people that took their lumps and made a life out of it. That's what makes me proud of being an American. That's the reason why I became a citizen. Because I want to be I, I want to be one of the brave. Free and brave. But brave 
isn't where you shut the door behind other people that you might consider scary because they're new. Brave is saying, hey, there are new people. What can I learn from them and what can I learn and what can they learn from me? And yes, we're going to have our differences 100%. I have differences with a lot of people. But the way that I try to approach uh, new people that I meet is, hey, where do we have in common? Where do we come together? What do we share? What do you eat? Because shit, and if you make some good food, you're in my family. You're my brother, my sister. Uh, and if you don't have good food, let me show you what I can make. And that's a very long around way of saying that you do have to look out after yourself. That's very important. You do have to be proactive and search out answers and, and make sure that you know who's around you at any given point in time. But don't lose the humanity part of it. Don't lose the part where in looking out after yourself, you do it at the expense of everybody else. I think there's always a little bit of room for you to say, hey, I got mine, but I'm leaving enough, or, or this is sufficient enough so that others can have some too, of whatever it is. And I know that that's always tested when resources are small. But we live in America, and we talk about this all the time, that we, are, we have some, that, we ha that it's a plentiful land. So it's not like we're running out of resources. We just don't manage them well. Or we have decided that a certain class deserves a lot more of it and everybody else underneath doesn't. And I think that people in the upper class, they don't care whether you're brown or you're white or you're black or you're whatever. They just know we're getting my, ours. They ain't getting yours. But let's have them fight amongst one another so that they never realize that they are in a lesser place. And that's fucked up. I'm aware of that. I think a lot of you guys are aware of that. But because we are fighting a war of culture, uh, an ingrained culture, and because the, 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 the powers that be do have a vested interest that we continue that war, I think that's why it's so important that immigrants continue to tell their stories. And let people know that A, we're not going anywhere and B, we, get, we give to this country a heck of a lot. And also, once you have made it, don't forget about the people in tow. Don't forget about the fact that there are others that are trying to make our own, their own American dream happen. And that sounds cliche, but I do believe in the American dream. It's, a, it's an edited version of what I grew up with. More than anything is that you want to come to the U.S. and you just want to live. You just want to live your, your life. You want to be able to love who you love. And you want to be able to make your way through it and carve out a niche for yourself without hurting others. That's my perception of the American dream. And I think we can make that happen. So anyways, that's my uh, conversation with you all today. Uh, please feel free to follow me on the Twitter. I'm at Hugo Realtor. I'm on Instagram at Hugo Torres. Send me an email. I'm at Hugo at HugoTorres.com. If you want to co-host on sometime, if you want to have a dialogue, a conversation, heck, even if you don't agree with me, by all means, hit me up, let me know. Subscribe. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Anchor. Uh, I'm on, on all sorts of different places. If you can find me and you appreciate it, please let me know. It means a heck of a lot. 
You all have a good rest of your Wednesday. Peace out.